Hey everyone, welcome to Community Roots, a place where we gather in community to talk about mental health so we can travel the journey of life together. I'm Samuel Richards. I'm Julie Richards. I'm Sarah Wakefield. And here we are back into the flow of things, um, a regular Community Roots. I know it's been a while since you've seen our um, regular logo. I'm excited about these new logos we're going to push out soon too. So yeah, keep in the loop. Me too. Yeah, um, keep everybody on the lookout for these amazing logos that Alexander Wells is coming back from. I guess it's been two and a half. Has it been two and a half years since we started this thing? Because I think it was summer. So I think we're coming up on year three. Like we, we're I think we are coming up on year three because it was pre-COVID mm-hmm. before COVID BC. <laughs> there you go. So I'm excited just to have this talent shared with us again. And now the brilliance of Samuel's leadership to say we've got different segments. I was reflecting on that actually about how, when we started, we were completely in the zone for the main episode and off the beaten path and switch back and forth. And we'd brainstorm together about, well, what do we want different segments? What, how could we bring some variety to this thing and what different people might be interested in? And then that kind of evolved into, Hey, we could put logos with those and you could how look for which style <laughs> that would become more of more of a project but yeah i was thinking a bubble noise for deep breaths or something like that but um yeah so we're excited about it we've been talking about it a lot we've been working with alex a lot so um yeah and also our core mission here community roots you know being that education piece where um we've just heard a lot of good feedback about coming back to home base so, um, and we just covered a big, a doozy. Um, I don't know if you can remember all the way back to boundaries, um, which is so important. It's something that, you know, uh, I think about almost daily. Um, and yeah, and I'm excited to move on to something else too that's almost just as daily, daily incorporated and something to think about triggers. Well, and even the link that, that comes, if you think about what we talked about with boundaries, Um, and boundary violations. We went into an episode on that as well. Um, When you have that felt sense of something is impacting me a lot right now, something has been overstepped or intruded into my world. That's kind of the essence of what a trigger kind of feels like. It feels like it's, it's intrusive and it's sometimes disturbing. It's unsettling. It's something that um, kind of activates our nervous system for a reason. It's giving us kind of an indicator on our car light that's going off. You need an oil change. You need, you need to do something. You have some work here to be done, I guess, is the way we could conceptualize what a trigger is or what impact it has on your nervous system. So, so, so what exactly is a trigger? Um, I really like, and I've mentioned it before, but we'll mention it in the context of this episode, how Bonnie Badnock talks about the idea of being touched and awakened, that this is an opportunity of something being brought to our attention, that it has purpose for us to spend some time with that aspect of ourselves so that it can be healed 
Um, David Kessler is a grief expert and he talks about triggers being a map to the grief that they tell you where we need to do the work. He says it is where the pain lies and the healing resides. And so we can use triggers instead of feeling um, just completely destabilized by them that um, something has jolted our nervous system. Maybe we've gone into a strong reaction like a freeze, flight, fight, or fawn response. Um, we can kind of do that, that work that we've been cultivating together, which is noticing um, becoming more aware, slowing things down a little bit, having some reflection. Cause typically in the moment you're just either on autopilot or there's so many things happening. You can't really break down what the feelings are or what has, um, what has kind of been activated in us in that triggered state, I would say also related to what we've talked about window of tolerance. It's kind of when that window is probably pretty shut and that we're experiencing more of red pathway or blue pathway that we're feeling in a state that is more vulnerable and less emotionally available in that moment. So it feels like it's almost taking us out of the present and into a reminder of something that has happened before that we don't have resolved. And I think that there are probably a ton of different examples on the show where either Sarah or I have like <laughs> been sent back or like, because we talk about it often on the show where you're like, Hey, does anybody have any thoughts? And even myself, I was like, how many times have we, have I, during the recording of this show, flashed back to something immediately after mm -hmm. we were talking, even last week, whenever we were talking about pets and kind of our animal companions, um, I guess two weeks ago or who knows how long ago, <laughs> but the point being, you know, um, yeah, flashing back to that. It's just interesting to put a real term to it. Mm -hmm. I really love what you said about um, when you quoted Kessler, you said triggers are a map to the grief. They tell you where we need to do the work. Um, it is where the pain lies and the healing resides. And I, that really struck a chord with me because oftentimes I think of triggers or my body wants to think of a trigger as, I mean, it is an alarm, right? It's a wake up. But when I heard, when I heard you say triggers are a map to the grief, that just felt like a shout from the heavens and an acknowledgement that I hadn't really considered before because it's been so, for so long, it's been about monitoring the trigger or like making sure like I'm safe and, and telling my body that I'm safe and breathing through it, but identifying that there's grief behind it. Mm. That is a whole new concept for me. Mm. And it sits very well with me. Mm. I love that. I love that. They tell you where we need to do the work. Mm. Julie, you know, <laughs> when you're in that moment of a trigger, <laughs> like when you're in that fight, flight, breathe, spawn, state, those states, one of those, um, it does not feel that there's any other option than to be in that trigger. Well, it makes sense because in the moment, it's not like you see it coming and go, oh, there's a gift coming to me. I have a map. <laughs> <laughs> you don't think, oh, yay, I've got, I've got this opportunity coming and it's got a bow on it. And it's, and it's reminding me 
that this is going to be a good thing if I put the time and attention into it. Yeah. In the moment, this is what I think is so powerful about this work too, is that we really don't have the capacity to go through something in all of its complexity and layers and meaning in a flash or in an instant. It's unfolding and it's evolving and we're becoming aware of things and how they impacted us. So like in one conversation, we might have some sense, depending on how how aware we are of our own thoughts, feelings, body sensations, things like that, dynamics that are happening in the room or our felt sense of uh, safety in that relationship of someone that we're sharing something with, depending on how aware we are, we might say, whoa, that phrase was really hard. That really reminded me of something and activated something in me. Or we might really not have that much awareness and it might be more kind of unsettling. We don't realize until later that something felt off. Like things aren't happening all in the moment, real time until we get to the place of being more attuned and more aware. But even then I feel like it's, it's happening in layers and in, in a process more of evolving than it is instantaneously in a second. I also had a question of, is this your amygdala as well? Like a trigger is, do you know about the like the brain side of that, if your amygdala is lining up, because I'm noticing, you know, the fight, flight, and freeze, mm -hmm. and fawn. So the fawn response is the people pleaser. It's the codependent part that says, I want to um, maintain this relationship. So I'm going to make sure that I, I stay more um, making other people happy. The emphasis isn't going to be on me. It's going to be on other people's needs. That's a trauma response. Um, but yes, I would say your amygdala is almost like it's been equated. Robin Goebel has called it a watchdog, um, which is so true. I was with Beth McElhaney is one of our previous guests on Off the Beaten Path. Um, we could circle back around to some of our guests and be like, let's hey, do it. Come, come back. Um, but she was telling me she was over at the house and, uh, the dogs, of course we have no doorbell, but we have two dogs. <laughs> yeah. And so, so they will let you know what's happening in the neighborhood. If someone has a UPS or FedEx delivery, or if someone's walking their dog, or if someone's coming past the house, Sarah came past the house this weekend, which was fun. Um, but they will alert you, right? Like they're, they're there to tell you something's going on here and your dog doesn't always know, Hey, that's dad. Like he lives here. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's okay. You don't have to bark at him and announce his arrival or something like that. Um, and our amygdala does that. Like our, our amygdala is reacting a lot, especially if we have things that felt like danger, danger to us. It's kind of you know, that watchdog that is saying something could potentially be, um, painful here. Something could be even on a psychological or physiological level. It's, I feel this so intensely. I could be annihilated by this. I could be in terror or complete panic over this. And it's not necessarily, um, completely, accurate in the way of that interpretation. Like say we have a phobia about 
something or a strong reaction to spiders or illness or crowds like those those won't take your life away but it can feel like it emotionally psychologically or to our nervous system and so we have these strong reactions letting us know hey my nervous system is exhausted trying to protect me over this and so maybe i could work with these fears and concerns or places that haven't been healed or that have unresolved grief, for instance. And maybe I could spend some time and attention there. And if I, I, if I gave it more attunement and more nurturing or more comfort, that would allow my amygdala and my nervous system to, to feel more felt and give it a chance to resolve. Remember, we've talked about like a stress response has to come full circle with also being heard or comforted or soothed that it's not just danger, danger, but it's, and I can handle it. And it's not too much for me. And I have coping skills for that or something that can kind of bring it to, for some things it's, that's something that happened a long time ago, but my brain is still storing it in a way that it's still happening now. Mm -hmm. And I have to be able to heal it to the point where I can say that's actually not still happening and I am safe, but we don't do that with just our prefrontal cortex and our, our cognitive thinking brain that just says, well, stop it. <laughs> don't do mm. that. Mm -hmm. Don't think mm -hmm. that way. That doesn't, that doesn't stop help anything. Mm. That doesn't heal anything. So it's a matter of using these triggers, using these strong reactions that we have instead of trying to squelch them, what happens if we listen to them and allow them, we've talked before about our emotions being it's like, it's like visitors. having a knot in your back, you know, mm -hmm. immediately going, Oh, that's the spot. <laughs> well, and, and if you talk to someone who does massage, that's mm -hmm. exactly it. They're exactly. looking for that. They're like, that's where I need to go. Exactly. That's kind of the map that a massage therapist would use is to say, you've got a knot here. That means I need to focus attention. And also here. like, I liked what you said with, you know, the reminding your brain that it's not happening now. It's a concept mm -hmm. that we've talked about a lot or uh, maybe occasionally on, on a certain number of episodes. Um, but I definitely feel that. And even as we were talking, I was trying to figure out the words for that. Um, the, the trigger and the zooming back to where you're literally, it feels like you're somewhere else, you know, for a minute is only described by, it feels like it's happening now, <laughs> mm -hmm. even though it was years ago or, you know, however long ago it may be. What's so cool about that is that our brain is making associations and connections. It's trying to keep us safe. Literally the the most important fundamental job of the brain is survival. Mm -hmm. I would say a huge part in addition to that is connection, relationship, protection, all of that. But ultimately it's trying to make associations and connections so that it can have a template that says, Ooh, this situation is not safe. And so we get these strong reactions because there's a, there's a history there. There's something that has happened that taught the brain, even at a, an early, 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 even implicitly pre-verbal trauma, 
which we'll get into this more next time, but Mm. it's just so powerful that we don't have necessarily explicit memory of, well, oh, this is because I was in third grade. My teacher called me out and I felt embarrassed in front of my class Mm. and my peers made fun of me or this thing happened. Sometimes we have pieces like that. Other times our brain in its attempt to keep us alive has kind of sequestered or compartmentalized parts away. So you can talk to someone and they'll say, I have no recollection of that. I don't even remember that. And it was kind of put away because there wasn't a safe space for that to be held and nurtured and felt so that that stress response could come full circle Mm. and have soothing and nurturing and support and meaning and learning and all the layers that come in with our functional adult online. Mm. So Julie, is that like when you can't remember a period of time um, or like your memory gets foggy around that traumatic event? um, Is that what you're talking about? It can be that Um, there's different reasons why we don't always hold memory. Some of it is because it wasn't encoded as being that important or significant. So if we don't have someone to put language to it and meaning to it, we don't, the brain doesn't kind of view that as significant. It's kind of like, well, that can be pruned out because it wasn't important. So it could be something traumatizing, but it can also be something that just didn't have enough encoding to realize that it had a lot of value, whether that's in connection mode or protection mode. Well, let's look at, are you're still wheels are turning there, Sarah. I'm circling <laughs> back. <laughs> I can see. I'm it. just fascinated now because I mean, triggers are an incredible tool that are awful when they happen. Yeah. You know, nobody wants to experience, I hate experiencing triggers. I hate yeah. it. It's just the worst, but you're putting a really good spin on them, a really valuable spin on them as a, as a tool. Yeah. Anyway, a good reframe. Yeah. A good reframe of maybe, and this takes courage and work to do it, but maybe we could almost welcome the opportunity. Like, like I started to say earlier with our emotions that we welcome as a guest, we see them as they're here for a time. Triggers don't last, I mean, I guess if someone is, is really experiencing intense symptoms of PTSD, um, there is a lot of triggering and activation that's happening more continually, sometimes more often than not. And so, I mean, here's a, an affirmation for people who are experiencing something that intensely to be in treatment. I think that's, that was dawning on me on my drive to work today. I was reflecting on just how important it is for people to be in treatment and not, you know, if you're experiencing a lot of distress and it's not resolving, it's not helpful to avoid it and to sidestep it or bury it. It's so important to listen to your body that says, wait, something here is needing some time and attention that I need to get some treatment in and finding some therapy or finding some safe people or doing some more work with that. But I wanted to look at some of the things that the Gottman Institute put out on some, some underlying feelings underneath the being triggered, like 
what was that really about? So if we hear, whether we're triggered on a, a sensory um, channel, meaning a certain sound triggered us, a certain taste, smell, um, sometimes season, sometimes weather, sometimes words that are said, um, things take us places, things take us to something else that was particularly difficult. Um, but what's underneath it, I think is really powerful. I just wanted to read through some of these to see if anything resonates with any of our listeners. Um, because this is like getting to the what's underneath, like, we're not just talking about the tip of the iceberg. We're talking about what's under that. And it would be things like, I felt excluded. I felt powerless. I felt unheard. I felt scolded. I felt judged. I felt blamed or disrespected. I felt uncared for. Um, I felt ignored. I felt like I couldn't be honest. I felt like the bad guy. I felt forgotten. I felt unsafe. I felt unloved. I felt disconnected. I felt like that was unfair. I felt trapped. I felt like I couldn't speak up. I felt manipulated. I felt controlled. Things like that. They have more on their list of what some of those underlying things are, but that's where the work is to be able to say, what was that about for me when that had such an impact? How can I spend some time? Maybe it's journaling about it. Maybe it's finding a safe friend to talk about, but when we have these strong reactions, the point is to work through them. The point is to spend some time looking at the meaning and the story behind them and being able to be heard and and felt and having a witness. What do you do when you experience a trigger and you're in a public place? You're not, or um, maybe not even a public place, but when you don't have the ability to be curious in that moment and to work on them. I think the same grounding things that we've been talking about as far as noticing your feet on the ground, looking around the room for something that brings you back into the present, your breath, drinking water. I know Samuel's used the example before of like stepping out of the room, going to the restroom, just to kind of be able to breathe for a moment and just have a little bit of space from what's happening that's too intense in that moment can be um, helpful, but also maybe in your relationship with you and your littles, as we've talked about, would be able to say something to the effect of, okay, I'm noticing that I see that. And I'm going to circle back to that. I'm going to come back to it. And I'm going to give you meaning my littles. Um, I'm going to give you some time on that. I'm coming back to that. I'm not going to just ignore it. And then committing to doing that of taking the time that it needs to be heard because it, you're absolutely right. Cause in the moment, it's just a reaction. There's not always time to go, okay, stop, stop the clock. Everybody just kind of do your thing. Cause I've got some work to do here. I mean, and I think that also speaks to how hard it is to do this work because life keeps happening and your to-do list is long and you've got pressures or demands or, you know, our own bandwidth or responsibilities, it's, it crowds out this kind of work. It takes a deep commitment to our healing journey and our growth and development to be able to find spaces, to create spaces that we can do this work. 
And that's when you go back a couple episodes to boundaries and see <laughs> truth. whether you need to lay, lay down a boundary there and just be like, there might be somewhere that you need to find the room to say, um, you know, if you don't have time for this work, where can you put some limits up to say, I, I need to make space for this because it, it does come down to a quality of life and depth. Um, that if we don't do the work, then we have a limited capacity to really be present in the world and in our relationships. So there are consequences of not being in tune with ourselves or with each other or what's, what's really happening instead of just the content and the surface level of the busyness and the hurrying and the errands and the tasks, there's a whole nother world going on that we're actually going to be talking about in our next episode about the unconscious, which is a super huge Ooh. passion of mine. <laughs> I love, I love talking about that. It's so powerful and exciting. And I don't know, lots to explore there, but if we don't have the awareness of that and we don't do the work on that, then we're really more along the surface of life. And we're missing a lot of our depth, a lot of our opportunity to take ourselves, um, in a more meaningful and rich, um, ability to show up in the world. Hmm. Powerful stuff. A lot of shaking her head. She's just there <laughs> shaking her head. I was Ooh. thinking the exact words. This is so, this is some powerful stuff. Yeah. And Sam took the words right out of my mouth. We've been co-hosts for a while. <laughs> <laughs> now you guys think alike. <laughs> uh. Yeah, I feel, you know, so as we dive into the unconscious next week, I think, you know, this is a continuation off the triggers talk. Mm -hmm. So we're going to be able to dive into it a little bit more and kind of discuss it. For me, it's interesting, you know, something it brought up is maybe being curious about triggers makes them a little bit less painful, but mm. I still want to dive into that. You know, it's still interesting to think, but uh, just something that we repeat on the show often is, you know, try to be curious about, ask yourself good questions, you know. Mm -hmm. um, it keeps you in a more open or willing place as opposed to so often people just avoid conflict, avoid confrontation, even within ourselves. Like we mm -hmm. don't, we don't want to bring up conver hard conversations with other people, but even within ourselves, we just you know, put things into compartments and don't face them and integrate them. And so that, that actually creates more of a crisis because mm -hmm. we're not allowing them to be integrated and, and healed. So there, there does need to be some level of willingness, like, yeah, this stuff matters. Like I want to be able to show up in the world as my best self. I want my relationships to be healthy and not continually triggered. Mm -hmm. because that's, I mean, an interesting thought to end on is when we're triggered, it's not about that person or that relationship. Even it's something else in us. It's our work, you know, whether it's parents who are, you know, oh, the behaviors of my teenager or toddler or whatever aspect of parenting it is, or maybe it's a marital or, um, partner relationship where it's like, oh, they're really pushing my buttons or something those are your buttons. <laughs> Those are your responsibility that are just giving you opportunity to go, Oh, 
Yeah. Mm. I've got some, got some work, um, to, to be able to notice what's happening within me, regulate my nervous system, Mm. um, keep healing, keep growing. That's my responsibility. Powerful stuff. Boom. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, I, I do. I have thoughts about this. It's just been interesting. It's like one of those things where, you know, it's one of those concepts that feels fresh and I've dealt with triggers a lot and it's just interesting to view them in a way that it's like a point to understand, like a map. That's a new concept for me that I haven't considered. Yes. Some good things to sit with. Well, thanks so much, everybody, for joining us this week. Um, We've had a lot of fun. Uh, Definitely check out these last couple episodes that we've had. We've had a nice variety of the different things that we have. I even think we had an unpack that recently within the last couple episodes. So um, also in the next, you know, week or so, uh, maybe as this episode releases, I'm not sure, but we're really close to launching out these new logos. So check them out. And then go back and re-listen to all of them so you can see the logo on your screen. <laughs> <laughs> How fun that will be. <laughs> it's all worth it. But um, anyway, um, yeah, thanks so much for joining us this week. We'll be back in a couple weeks um, with a new episode. But uh, thanks again. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.